Hello and welcome to episode the 27th of Tamper Tantrum. My name is Colin Harron. I'm joined, as always, by... Uh, I should think of like funny introductions for you every week. Like the the Wizard of Wickham. I know you're not from Wickham, but you know, I'm kind of thinking on the fly here. Hi, Steve. Hello, Colin. It's kind of like when I call you and I'll, you'll pick up the phone and I'll go, uh, Harriet. And you'll go, Steve. Steve. Yeah. Um, you're not yeah. very good at thinking of names. Pressure. It's not your thing. Well, maybe you need to think of like a like a, a boxing wrestling style name for next week. That could be your homework. Okay, I, I will spend the next two weeks thinking about what I shall call myself and how I can ad- direct some fun and make myself look less serious than I already do, which is quite hard to make myself look less serious than I already do. Mm, mm. True that, and I can't be the source of all the fun all the time. No, so so uh, I'm going to start the conversation the way you normally start the conversation when you pick up the phone to me. Any crack? Uh, lots of crack, actually. You've been taking lots um, of crack. I have been taking lots of crack. Uh, yeah, no, it's busy, busy time of year. Um, I'm getting ready to run across the country. I know. That's... that's uh, Big news. So tell the, tell the lovely people at home uh, what you're attempting to do this week. From, I would say, four months ago, not running at all. Uh, well, anyone that's been to Three of Feet has probably cr- crossed the canal to get to the shop. There's a canal that is right beside our shop on Grand Canal Street. And very close, there's um, a dock where Google and Facebook all inhabit. And uh, then there's the River Liffey. So... We're right at the, the mouth of the Grand Canal. The Grand Canal, for those of you that don't know, goes westwards towards Galway, which is on the west coast. And there's a river that runs through Galway called the Shannon. And that's where the canal ends. So one day I decided that I wanted to run from the Liffey to the Shannon along the route of the Grand Canal. So what, that's like 10 kilometres, kilometers, 20 kilometres maybe, maybe even 30 if it's quite a long way. 150. <laughs> You're a fool. Yeah. Yeah, I know. But, um, so we're, we're doing it over four days. We're not doing it in one day, which is uh, one saving grace. And um, I'm terrified. Yeah. So that's that. So this might be my last ever time for tantrum. <laughs> oh, maybe I should start looking for some replacements now. Yeah. Although... Uh, I, 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 although I heard a rumour you were anyway, but yeah, always. Uh, maybe we shouldn't talk about that on air. Do you know, just a, a little um, funny topic on that one. You know that I've been recataloguing all the videos into the new uh, website bit. And um, I was going through all of the videos that we've had over the years. And it was about, oh, crikey, about four or five years ago, me and uh, Dave Walsh did a video re- finding the new Colin Harmon. Um at the end of this, oh, yes. you have to go and watch Finding the New Colin Harmon video on, on... I think it's like in between episode seven and eight or something like that. I cannot believe how different I look, but I can't believe how different Dave looks as well on there. And we just like... How life has changed so drastically from that point to this. Hilarious. It's 30 seconds long, but it was very amusing. Wow. Back in the days when, when Dave came on the internet. Um, <laughs> Although I did see him the other day, and he's in very good spirits. Good. I miss um, Dave. Right. Let's march on. Yes. Yes. Um, we have agenda items. So, uh, we do. And I'm going to stick one in that isn't on the agenda, actually, very quickly. Excellent. Uh, just because it's popped into my head. So you asked me what kind of week I had. and Did you see 
the article on Epicurus that Dwayne Sorensen did about the week that he had without coffee. I did not, but I must go dig it out. This sounds interesting. You should do. It's kind of interesting. Well, I just wanted to see what your thoughts on it were. Essentially, he didn't drink coffee for a week and told Epicurus about what it was like to do that. And of all the weeks that he chose, he chose the week of the SCAA. <laughs> uh, so he spent a week <laughs> walking around a coffee trade show not drinking coffee. And uh, he didn't enjoy it. He got pounding headaches and, and all sorts of things. So I don't know. I was thinking I could probably do that. I, that if I was on, if I go on holidays or if I'm traveling or something, I can do without coffee. But I think you, you'd probably find it tougher than me. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've, I've kind of, I can go a day without coffee and I don't die and shiver in a corner, but two or three days, it's not the actual physical addiction. It's just, I kind of really miss it. It's like, it's something I look forward to. Like getting out of bed in the morning, I look forward to having some coffee. Um, and I think I'd kind of miss that. Ah, I like that. That's great. You know, do you know, I'd, it wouldn't physically hurt me, I don't think, because I've gone for a couple of days where I haven't had coffee, but I've really just missed the whole social kind of picking up the mug and enjoying something delicious. That's actually where uh, Mr. Sorensen left off. He said that one of the the biggest things that he missed was actually just turning around to people and saying, can I make you a cup of coffee? Yeah. And I suppose uh, it's that social kind of interaction that comes with it that that's the thing we miss most i love i love at work that's interesting i thought of you well we have a thing at work where like if somebody's making a coffee you can't just make one for yourself you've got to make one for everybody and and i love just turning around all of a sudden a cup being delivered to my table and also get to see somebody that you know he's normally working somewhere but they've taken taken five minutes out to make some coffee and i get to share what they wanted to brew so it's never like i will always go to my kind of familiar ones that they'll bring me something i was like God, that is really good, isn't it? <laughs> you know, and, and I, I love that aspect of it. Yeah, it comes out of your comfort It's weird you should say about it, Dwayne, because I have this app on my phone called Memoir, and it syncs all your photos, and, like, it shows you photos from, like, X amount of years ago. And last week I had one come up from when I was at the Nicaraguan Cup of Excellence uh, of me and Dwayne cupping, like, this was 2005, so, like, 10 years ago. And me and Dwayne wow. were on this photo, so that's kind of weird you mentioned, Dwayne. That's cool. Wow. Oh, okay. Um, that's yeah, it's interesting. I've actually never met him, but um, the article is very interesting, and you should go check it out. I will. I lived and next door to him that. for a week that week. We we, we were neighbours. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. We had we had so we were yeah. in these cabins in Nicaragua, and I I would quite often be out on. I was still a smoker back then. And I was sat out on my little wow. ver- veranda thing smoking a cigarette, and Dwayne would come out and like chat to me and stuff and I was just like this is a bit weird he's like a hero and I'm like I was still <laughs> I was still a prison officer back then so I was like I'm on a cup of excellence jury with this guy and I really shouldn't be here but he he's at a, a really it's like the time when um Car- oh, go, on. go ahead oh, yeah no he's the most charming like he was so kind and generous with his time and really patient with my stupid questions back then um like he was really 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 good guy I liked him a lot it was like that time when Carl Sarah walked into our house, uh, or walked into our kitchen in his pants. Yes, remember that? I do remember that. Yeah, you did. You didn't really have to take a photo of it at all. Just it was fine. I'm sure it was. Yeah, good. maybe we I should tell people a little bit more background not... into why Carl Sarah was in our kitchen. No, okay, we'll leave it at no. that. No, <laughs> maybe another time. I think Carl would want it this way. Carl Sarah in his pants in our kitchen. Leave it there. Um, so the SCAA show is where Mrs. Sorensen wasn't drinking coffee. And I, as far as I'm aware, I can be completely wrong, but we're going to do it for the sake of a segue. That's where Michael Sheridan conducted his 
cupping of the Keturah and Castillo. Is that right? So he did a symposium talk, so a few days before the SEAA show, on uh, some research that they've undertaken on Keturah and uh, Castillo uh, tasting. So they were doing some blind tastings side by side from the same farms to see whether there was any preference to uh, Castillo or Katura and to see whether there were any massive differences in the way that cuppers assessed them. So they brought in cuppers from the multinationals, if you like. I, I believe Starbucks buyer was one of them. There were some other big buyers. And, and if you go and watch, the, it is a talk that you can go and watch now on the uh, Symposium's YouTube channel. Uh, and I encourage you to yeah. do so because it was really thought-provoking and really interesting. They tell you the cuppers are involved, and they took specialty cuppers. So they took some uh, cuppers from Stumptown, I think from Intelligentsia, and some other specialty kind of guys who are involved in that stuff. Um, really to find out if, you know, like the planting of Castillo in Colombia has been very government-led and is... They talk about some interesting numbers in the presentation about how the government has basically said, we'll lend you some money, but we'll only lend you money to plant new stock if you plant Castillo, because it's rust resistant, higher yielding, um, you know, and something that they're trying to encourage so production can rise because of this big, massive hole that they've had because of the leaf rust issue that they've had in Colombia. Um, So I thought that... For those of you that are uh, confused at this point, I think it might... It's just... uh, Pertinent to mention that Castile uh, is, from what I can remember, 5% robusta. Is that right? Yes, yes. So it, but it, it has it's a genetic makeup of uh, robusta. Exactly. It's crossed and crossed and crossed and crossed until it's so diluted. And, you know, we've seen other ones. So we've, you know, we've seen Colombia, we've seen uh, the Catimores, we've seen uh, Ethiosar. Ethiosar? Yeah, yeah. A whole heap of these varietals that have been trying to add some leaf resistance while retaining some cup quality. But I think the harshest one I have heard for people saying, oh, I don't like that, is definitely the um, the Castillo. You know, there have been real issues of people saying, I don't like the tastes of them. Um, and More so than Catimore? More so than Catimore. Definitely something I, I, I find Catimores that I really like, but I've yet to find a Castillo yeah. that I kind of think, that's delicious on its own. Now, I've found some blends where well, it's got Couture in there that I've kind of gone, yes. that's, that's interesting. But on its own, as a varietal sitting on its own, I found that I don't really like the cup profile. On blind cupping tables, not, you know, oh, I'm not even going to try that because of where it's from. Um, and But I found yeah. Catty Moores that I adore. Um, so, yeah, I think it is even yeah. more so. Because we have at the moment a uh, Colombian, uh, Agro Regatta, and that has Castillo in there, but it also has Katura and... Um, a number of other ones. I think there's two or three in there. Yeah. Um, yeah, but like in isolation. So just explain to me, when this tasting was done, did the people that were tasting know that it was a taste, uh, that it was a test between Couture and Castillo? So yes. So this is the one, I have a couple of problems with a little bit of the mythology um, and I'd love to see it kind of expanded and done a little bit more of. So one that they, they knew what they were doing. I think they knew what they were there to do. So that instantly in the cuppers mind will set a, um, I've got to be careful here. I don't want to look stupid. Um, and I've been in those situations where I've been, I don't want to look stupid. So I was looking at the scores that they were showing in the presentation and the actual variances were incredibly small. So they were using data 
that was actually there wasn't massive ups and downs in there, there were a couple of outliers there always are but in the whole the majority of the cupping seemed to be somewhere between 82 and 86 87 in fact i don't think anything scored higher than an 87 if i remember rightly from the talk and i I've only watched it once, and it was with a glass of wine, so uh, I won't be held accountable for my <laughs> idiot mistakes. How big was this glass, dude? It was massive. <laughs> it was like a bucket. Um, but the <laughs> other thing I didn't like very much about the the, the 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 kind of the way that this study's been conducted was that it was all US buyers. So it was kind of like only the US has a preference between. Castillo and uh, Katura and this is, you know, it was such a narrow range of people to bring in. Um, and I just think it could have been, like, I've been on a couple of excellence juries where I look at the Japanese will score completely different to the Europeans who will score completely differently to the US. And you have these different yeah. preferences for different markets. Um, you know, you find with a lot of the Japanese, they kind of love the acid bombs. They love the kind of real high acidities, where the Europeans tend to like more sweetness and rounded and bodies, and where the US tend to like a mixture of the two. So, you know, you kind of, it's a very narrow range that they've kind of focused on it with it. But I love the fact that it's kind of made me think about these things. And I came away from the talk just going, that's brilliant. Like, that's really good that they're actually starting to do some kind of research into that. Um, but also, I love the final message of the talk. So the final message was, listen, it's okay to have a Keturah bias towards uh, varietals, but if you have a Keturah bias for whatever reason, be that taste, be that because you just think Keturah is better, then you have to back it up with your wallet and you have to start paying more money for Keturah to make sure the people who are growing it are going to get rewarded the same as the Castillo. And, but they're also, you know, they're going to be when the crops are down, they've got a bigger reward because they've been you know, taking more money for that varietal preference, if you like. And I really loved that message from it. I thought that was a really powerful thing that came from that talk. Yeah, it's it's interesting about Castillo because obviously there's an imperative from the, uh, especially coffee, to, for it to work. Like we all want this to work because there's more people wanting to buy and as like as asia comes on board big time with like korea and indonesia and china and japan uh there is more people buying specialty coffee there's less of it growing with leaf rust with climate change with uh the areas that are growing coffee just getting eaten up just by well, cities and and towns developing um and there's less places and like uh, the further up the mountain you go by definition there's less land because the mountains taper they taper off that's what happens so we need great coffee to be easier to go so there's a huge imperative in this but castillo has has a has something of um yeah i don't know a checkered history i suppose especially in because it was developed in colombia but wasn't castillo the the coffee in 2010 that supposedly won the cup of excellence but then there was whispers and rumors about whether it actually did and whether the the competition had been rigged well, I mean, this is the thing, is the FNC, so the Federation of National Cafeteros, have, have invested so much money in making Colombia and Castillo work as varietals that, like, you know, there's a, there's a huge push. You only have to look at their marketing to the, towards the specialty sector, saying, like, this is, this is amazing, this is amazing. Um, and it's interesting that the results from the cupping actually sh- tended to show that it was equally as amazing as all the other great Colombians we've seen. Um, and that's why I really hope that it kind of widens out. 
But there is a big push from the Federation to say that this is a fantastic thing. Now, I, I don't... You can't cast aspersions on... You know, the Cup of Excellence is actually quite independently run. I, you know, I've been part of the board of directors and I've seen a lot of the competitions. And for the Federation to have a fix in it, I don't know. But I do wonder... Well, from what I remember, the coffee came from Finkelaloma. And when it won... Or they said that it was... The, the rumour was that it was being falsely labelled right. as, as Castillo. So that was it was a different variety, but they were saying it was Castillo in an effort to make people fall in behind it. Um, and of all the coffee kind of uh, uh, producing countries and, and like of all the organising um, countries out there, there are, there are few that are as powerful or as wealthy as FNC. Well, so it's, um, I think there's also an element of that. We, we talk about varietals as in, you know, this is 100% Bourbon. And I couldn't say hand on heart that any varietal I've ever sold is 100% of a certain varietal, you know, so... You know, the labelling of varietals, I, you know, I've seen all sorts of things sold as all sorts of things and they weren't. And, they, you know, and, and I'm sure that's happened in many other Cup of Excellences where somebody's sent something in saying, you know, this is a Bourbon, you know, and it isn't, um, you know. And yeah, I think it's it's not really a perfect science. I think we have to remember that uh, like a lot of these coffee farmers don't have access to uh, genetic labs to verify this. Yeah. I think that was heavily reinforced by A. the Battle's uh, talk at Tamper Tantrum, and she spoke about how they have Kenya growing on the farm, but she actually isn't really sure what it is. They think it might be SL28, they have suspicions it could be SL34, or maybe it's something completely different again. But all they know is that it came from Kenya, I think in the 60s, and it's been growing there since, so everybody just calls it Kenya. Yeah, and and you walk around El Salvador, and there's a whole heap of that. Like I, I've walked around a very, a very famous coffee farmers, not not Aida, but another one that was spending the whole afternoon telling me this is SL twenty eight. This is no, it's not. No, it's not. It doesn't look anything like an SL twenty eight. It doesn't have the same internodes. It doesn't have the same leaf structure. You know, and and but then the cup profile that they've tasted, they've had so many couples say oh this tastes like an SL28 that they've started to believe that that's what the varietal is and yeah it's, that's a really interesting you should go watch it anybody who hasn't watched Aida's talk it's uh, super interesting particularly when they start talking about the varietal and the processing methods and how these things get confused into being um, you know just because locally that's what it's called it gets translated by green buyers into that's what it's called and uh, it doesn't always mean the same thing when it's translated I felt like James Hoffman was reading my mind. So I was I was on the bus, or on the bus, on the tram, on the way to work. And every time she finished a sentence, I would have a question in my head. And he would then ask that question. I was like, yes! So it's a, yeah, it's a really good insight into what coffee farmers do. But the Keturah and the Castillo, um, that's a really interesting thing. We're all on the side of Castillo working, but like... Uh, I would I just think given this checkered history you, you just want to be 100% sure but it's definitely very interesting and something I'd love to see if we could organise a taste test like if maybe one of these um, tamper tantrum events in the future we could maybe look at doing stuff like this I'd be super interested how about you? Me too me too I know, you know this is the thing is you know part of my reasoning saying that it's really bad that it was all US tasters on there because I'd love to get an invite to do it as well it's just completely selfish. And we good. all got that. Yeah, yeah, good, good. I'm, I'm glad that it came across clearly. <laughs> um, but no, I would love to do that taste off because it's something that you know. I, I was, I was one of those people that kind of talked about Catty Moore and was like, never had a good Catty Moore. Never had a Catty Moore that I've really enjoyed. And then 
you know, we 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 both had one that we went. That's really good, um, and was completely yeah. completely out the blue. So I, I would love the same to happen with Castillo, and um, yeah, I, I I really hope that they do carry on that research and wind it up. But definitely go watch that video on, and and, you, and this is directed at you as well, Colin. Go watch the video from Symposium. It is super super interesting, and it, I came away with many more questions and answers, but it really set me thinking. Cool. I'm looking forward to that. I have a bit of time in my hand uh, this week, so I'm going to go have a look at that. Um, so, did you make did you make it down to London Copy Festival this week? Because um, I had, I'd say, close to 17 emails that were signed off mid conversation. Which, okay, well, like, why don't we just talk about this at London Coffee Festival? To which I responded, I'm not going to London Coffee Festival. Uh, as much as I wanted to be there, I wasn't there. But did you make it down? Luckily, I did not know because as much as you wanted to be there, I really didn't want to be there. Um, luckily this year I've managed to hang on to my soul and not go um, which was lovely (laughs) (laughs) so you're okay right so you're at that camp yeah I I went last year it's a massive I went last year for the first time Carl and it was like I'd never been before I'd always managed to avoid it and because of my involvement with um SCIE and, and and the UK chapter and we had our competitions there I had to go and I spent a week afterwards in the shower because I felt really dirty and didn't like it at all. <laughs> it was horrible. It was just it was just a, a mishmash of Starbucks and milk and like machine sellers just trying to trying it trying to turn it into a really big trade show when it's meant to be directed at the public. I I didn't get it at all. Um, you know there were green bean like importers there with stands. At a what's meant to be a public trade show, it just seems a really confused place to me. It really does. Well, you get that a lot with 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 coffee shows in general. Like, I think an awful lot of the time, people's first instinct is to get a stand, and then it's, it's they never really get around to qualifying what they're actually going to achieve with it. You know, and like we had recently had this an opportunity to to uh, have a stand at a coffee show, and like. The more I thought of it, the more I realised that it was only really an opportunity to just give away free coffee for three days. And I was like, do I really want to do that? Mm-hmm. So uh, we decided not to. Um, as much as much fun as it looked like. Uh, I don't know, it's interesting. But I had always hoped that London Coffee Festival was going a different way. But it's like it's a massive event. They get a lot of people there. Well, I think last year it was over 20,000 visitors. So, you know, that that's impressive. Um, you know, for, a tra- for, for what's meant to be a consumer consumer show. I'd love to know the breakdown of that twenty thousand. How many were consumers and how many were, um, were, were trade? You know, the, us talking in our echo chamber again. Um, but I, I just, I also don't like, I don't like the focus on it being a London coffee festival uh, because good coffee doesn't just happen in London. It happens in a whole heap of places in the UK, uh, in a whole heap of places around the world, of course. But you, you know, if we're focusing on having a a, a, a trade show for consumers i don't understand the focus on it it can be in london by all means and i understand the the reasons for that and larger audience more open audience to it all those things but i get really annoyed at the whole oh oh, london no london's the only place you can get good coffee in the uk isn't it yeah like london 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 and i just i I wish it was just a little bit more inclusive of do you know there's some really interesting stuff happening in liverpool some really interesting stuff happening in manchester glasgow edinburgh york you know newcastle um 
I'd reach out to those places, Belfast, you know, like there's just so much more going on UK wise than just in London. Yeah. Am I ranting? Well, I think that's where you're cup north, man. Eh? You are a little bit, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, because <laughs> I've been penting up that as well because I've had those emails from people saying oh well, well I'll see you in London on Saturday and I was like no you won't I, I'm I'm having a day at home <laughs> uh, I'm doing my washing <laughs> you know it's like, um, yeah well it, it, the, the best thing I saw of all the things at the show was undoubtedly well from what I could pick up on Twitter or Instagram was the square mile stand and that black eagle oh my god that looks so beautiful so anyone that didn't see it you should dig out a picture of it it was um, matte black very pretty. Uh, from tip to toe, very very pretty. Batman. Um, I'm, not, I'm not sure how long it would last in a coffee shop, but I think it will, I think we will see a lot of them over the coming months. People will do similar things. Um, but yeah, that looked absolutely beautiful, and they're standing very very pretty too. It did. But then on top of all that was the coffee masters. Mm. Did you see this? I I. So the coffee masters was um, a, a non WCE sanctioned event. <laughs> I think we should begin by saying. Um, and and it, it it's kind of a barista competition. What it seems like for invited guests, and I would imagine, although I have absolutely zero proof of this, that some of those people were perhaps paid a fee because they came a very long way to be there. Um, and uh, it was kind of uh, yeah, an interesting lineup of people, and uh, yeah, I think a completely different approach. So it's more about like. Um, there's some presentation stuff and there was cupping and there was latte art and all this kind of stuff. So a bit of everything thrown in there and seemed to get a, a lot of attention. Did you get to see any of this? Or I, I purposely been avoiding all coverage of it. So no, I didn't get to see any of it at all. I don't know who made who made it through. I don't even know what the rules are for it, to be honest. Um, I, I don't, I haven't, I kind of purposely, again, sat in a black room going, la, 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 la. Um, so I don't know anything about it. So you can tell me all about yeah, it. Well it, was, well, it was designed by Allegra and um, the two gentlemen at Don, Frank, Don Frankowski. Um, and they organised uh, the competition. And there was a, this is the interesting thing. There was a cash prize of £5,000. Um, I've won a few birthday competitions. I've never won anything like that. So it's multidisciplinary, like I said. So there's different aspects of it. Um, and it was... Yeah, different people. There was um, Cosmon Mihailov, I think that's right, from Romania. Craig Simon from Australia. Matt Perger from Australia. Uh, I'm trying to think. James Bailey from Workshop, who was the eventual winner. Um, Pete Garcia from Square Mile. Patrick Carlson from Five Elephant, who made the finals as well. Um, interestingly, uh, only two women, from what I can remember. I might be wrong about that, but I think there was only two women. Um so uh, following on from the conversation that we had a few weeks back with Nick Cho, it's interesting to see that um, that um, there was still not a, a kind of a, a huge showing of women in a situation where I'm not sure if people entered or whether they were chosen, to be honest. So I suppose it'd be yeah. unfair to criticise. But criticise nonetheless, <laughs> I will. Um, but no, it actually did look like a lot of fun. And I suppose it's, it's actually, it's a good way to see what the competition or what the different scope of, of competition could be. Like, I think uh, Salvatore from St. Ali was one of the judges, Quillam Davies, Andrew Tully, Annette Moldovar, and uh, Anne Lonell was one of the judges. And the stage was very different. It's kind of like, um, set up more like a bar scenario. And they had the, they had the, the, you know, the Faima E61s. And they had um, Malkuna grinders. And it was, yeah, it looked kind of cool. It's nice to see a different sort of competition. It's kind of like, 
it reminded me of the drinks industry because in the drinks industry they have cocktail competitions but unlike coffee competitions in the drinks industry they have like hundreds of them there's a Bacardi one there's a you know Diageo one there's a Jemison one there's a Jack Daniels one and each one of them claims to be the world competition so it's good to see it um, I suppose uh, popping up and uh, viva la distance, as they yeah, say. Yeah, well, uh, listen, the, the opportunity for a barista to win five grand is not to be sniffed at. Um, that's that's a good thing. Um, I think as long as any barista can kind of have an opportunity to enter it, then that's that, then that's an even better thing. Um, and yeah, good luck to them. I mean, I'm sure that the the coffee industry can take more than one style of barista competition. Um, we've proved that with some terrible competitions like latte art and. Uh, coffee and good spirits so i'm sure we can con- <laughs> uh, you know we can we can continue that this is a particularly good this is a particularly it's good particularly segue. good segue to get um, off and talk for... about other things i guess because we've got gothenburg coming up haven't we we do are you going I'm to go the flight chair i kind of feel i should but i'm still looking for that final excuse to go you say this before every single I know, event you know i do Except yeah, London Coffee. I know, I know, I know I do. And I, I'm just looking for that excuse that, like, I, I don't want to go and walk the trade show. That's kind of so boring. Like, I want to go and do something or have a purpose to be there. I, I like to have a timetable of, Steve, you need to be here at nine o'clock. Otherwise, I'll lie in bed all day and go drink coffee in Gothenburg in the afternoon. And I can do that in any, you know, any part of the world. So why choose Gothenburg? Um, yeah, I like an itinerary. Yeah, and but the latte art is there. Coffee and good spirits. Is that no. not reason enough to go? <laughs> no, no. Well, I think I think they they're both competitions that could be much better than they are. They kind of seem like the the ugly sister of the WBC. Um, they don't seem to get the same attention and love. Yeah. Um, and I, I, you know, I think there's real potential with them. Um, the cupping competition as well. I think there's real potential with that too. Um, I don't. I, yeah, I don't know. I just don't feel the same draw towards that. Um, yeah, the Brewers Cup I think could be interesting. I, I I like I like the Brewers Cup. I'd like to see that you know grow and develop and become more than what it is now. Um, but I just think yeah. It, yeah. Do you do, have you ever sat and watched for more than the Irish competitor, the Coffee and Good Spirits competition? No, not really. I don't even think I've ever watched the Irish competitor either. I did. I've never watched Latte Art. I did kind of see you when you were, when you were comparing or doing your MC thing and then as a support and then they, then I walked away. And, in disgust. Uh, and let me see. Latte Art. I was there in, in, a, in Melbourne when the Korean competitor decided, apropos of absolutely nothing, to just suddenly start doing Gangnam Style <laughs> after he served his coffee. If you haven't seen this, Google it. It's not me being incredibly racist. This actually happened. The Korean competitor finished serving his coffee and then, I'm trying to think what the music goes like, but I can't. I'm not down with the kids. But then just start doing Gangnam Style. The music came on and he started doing his ridiculous dance and that was a, that was a sight to my, I remember my moment um, of and then well, My aside, moment of latte art was the Italian, the Italian champion in, um, where was it? In Maastricht. And he um, he got up there to the latte art and then put a blindfold on, and then continued to pour hot, hot milk all over the side, all over his hand. And... <laughs> 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 I 
I don't think it went quite as well as his practices um, have. Um, but <laughs> I was the, is the cupping yes, on there? Yes, yeah, well? the cupping's going to be there as well. Um, I, my other favourite moment as well. One of my this is one of my all time favourite moments of MCing was the coffee and good spirits with Steamo, and we decided we were going to taste every signature drink and every Irish coffee. <laughs> and by the end of it, I was like, "I love you." Um, and uh, yeah, we we managed to MC for the last two competitors quite drunk, which is not the first time. You should be. Careful, <laughs> the, I, I lost. I lost faith in, in the cupping competition the year when the competitor was this like two years ago, three years ago, when the competitor. Um, didn't taste any of the coffee. He just looked at the bowls and picked the odd one out and ended up winning. Like he won that was the, the whole Greek thing. guy in Maastricht, um, um, and he, that, he yeah beating David Walsh yeah. on route. Well, no, well I mean, he was very close as well with David. Well, I think David was th- third or second, and I think it was David second. But yeah, yeah, they brought in a rule change on that that there had to be black cupping bowls, um, so that couldn't happen again. He did taste some of them, to be fair to him. He wasn't sure of the colour of some of them, so tasted those. Um, but in a competition that's all about speed, not tasting them makes it a lot easier. And uh, that's an amazing, you know, amazing guy to be able to spot the difference of a brew by looking at it. Because I know I've tried it, because when I got back, I was like, I need to try this. And I was like, nope, no idea. <laughs> yeah, he's... Um... It's what, but they they do know with the the black cups, don't they? Just to prevent them from, yeah, yeah. That's a a nice preventive measure. But I I think Dave was quite pragmatic after that, and he said that everybody was giving out, and he was like, you know, the rules say that you have to pick the odd one out, and dude won. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like you to uh, he uh, he he used every every everything he had to win, and I suppose that's enough. So very used to him. We have our own news. Um, regarding competitions, are uh, we starting our own competitions? Well, let's put it this way: we can't divulge in too much of the information at the moment because uh, we're still going through some legality stuff. We're still engaged with some sponsors and organising venues and and other th- things like that. But I can say at this point in time. The Tamper Tantrum will be rolling out a coffee event that we are incredibly, incredibly excited about. A coffee event that uh, I think speaks to the kind of coffee people that uh, that we like to engage with and, and can, I think for for myself and yourself and Jen, can become something really powerful within this, the coffee industry. And I know that there'll be suggestions of a kind of a rivalry with WCE and, and, and things like this, but at the same time, it's... Like I, like I said before, the coffee masses, all these things are great for the industry. And this event that we're putting together, I think, is something that the industry has been lacking for a long time and is really going to put, um, yeah, put the importance of certain aspects of the coffee to the forefront. And kind of like what coffee masters um, are doing, that there's going to uh, be uh, a cash prize as well that we're going to kind of, you know, be putting something out. It may not be as much as €5,000. That's still to be decided, but... Uh... Yeah, yeah, no. I think that w- the way the plan is planning is going is that we will have like a significant cash prize um, to go with the, the world title as well that we'll be handing out, and uh, it's something that I see can can be taken up in in many different countries around the world, and is definitely um, focused on innovation, uh, and it's a yeah it's something we're very very excited about. So 
maybe hold on to your hats for another two weeks or so uh, and we'll uh, reveal some details um, uh, about that competition but I think it's it's going to be something that um, yeah it's very exciting for our industry very exciting I mean you've, you've been taking the lead on, on, on this and kind of formulating rules and, and boundaries and stuff but from what I've seen and what I've seen written it's incredibly exciting and quite quite um, a fresh take on barista competition I think yeah, yeah, it's a, it's, it's definitely something. Uh, we're working very hard on at the moment, and it's, uh, yeah, the end is in sight. The end is in sight. So we're very excited to to announce uh, details of that competition, and um, yeah, you'll be first to hear about it here at the Tamper Tantrum uh, podcast. Fantastic, fantastic. Um, so one final thing that I wanted to talk to you about because um, we're just suddenly getting back to that kind of year where I'm del- drinking lots of their coffees. But the Mears Farms um, auction uh, and Los Far- how do I say this in a Spanish accent? Los Favorite. Is that how it's you good pronounce enough for it? Me. It's good enough for me. You know my pronunciations. Yeah. I'll, I'll call- Favorites. <laughs> Lowe's Favorites. Um, and, and the auctions there. Would you be involved? Well, it's been, in it's been gone. Like it was, we, you buy a lot of coffee yeah, it from... Yeah, was last week. It was last Wednesday. Um, we were... Oh, okay. Oh, well, no, no, it was okay. last week. We we were bidding on uh, three lots, um, unfortunately, and I got distracted and the auction closed and we only ended up with one of the lots, which was a little bit disappointing. Um, there was one yellow Pacamara lot from San Jose that I was chasing and I was up to $32. Uh... And I was like, $32 a pound. I was like, this is expensive. And um, but missed out on that one. Uh, but we did get one lot, which we're we're excited and will be with us from from a farm we haven't bought from from them before as well. So uh, it, very exciting and can't wait for it to arrive. Does this use that um that uh, auction system where all of the lots are still fair game until there's been a pause on all of the bids for a certain That's right. Of time? It's a three minute countdown timer. So when there's no bids on them, they start bidding. And then once it once every lot gets a bid, they start the three minute timer. But every time anything gets bid on, it sets to three minutes again. So the, count, the timer has to count down. Now it's good because everything's still fair game, but it's bad if you've got a job to do. So like, unless you can sit in front of the computer solidly, then you know it, you can end up missing out on stuff. Now you can put proxy bids on, which you know if somebody bids, you automatically get your bid, and you know you set your highest amount. But I don't trust those things, uh, and and I have to, and I also have to make a decision each time: is this worth it? Am I going to be able to sell it? Um, so I like to make sure I'm doing the bidding. But yeah, it was it was a very successful auction. The highest lot was uh, a yellow Pacamara from Limoncillo, which went for forty dollars a pound. Um, yeah. Wow. Did you have that? Yes. Back? Yeah. Yeah. We we only paid twenty three when we bid for it, though, so we were we were good. And we've got some this year as well. Once you buy the auction lots, the families, the family likes to make sure that you can always get it going forward. And then they pick out different sections of the farm for other lots. So we we get the bit that we originally did that bid for, um, and we've also done some other work with them as well on on different lots on there. Post that, and I, I've worked with uh, Eliane, Steve, uh, and Erwin, um, and Doctor Maresh for the last. Uh, eight years, nine years, and they're they're awesome friends, and I always go to see them every year. So, uh, I I love that auction just purely because 
they're just very small, tiny, interesting lots. And they, they're actually, although there's a lot of money generated, I know how much money they've invested in the auction software and, and actually making it happen. And they don't make any money from it, really. It's just something that they want to share these interesting lots with all of their buyers. And they wanted to find a fair way of getting them out to them. And this seemed a fair way. So how many farms in total do they? Because I know they have the farms in Nicaragua and then they've got farms in Honduras. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, is, it's just the two yeah, countries. Yeah, so just the two countries, but I think they've got seven farms in Nicaragua and then one in uh, Honduras. But they're, they're also their farm in Honduras finished, I think it was 12th in the Cup of Excellence, the Honduran Cup of Excellence, the same day or the following day from the auction. So like, they had a really good week last week um, with... Uh, their farms, because their farms in Nicaragua have consistently done well in Cup of Excellence when they've entered them. Um, and now they've also got the same in Honduras, which is pretty awesome. Um, they're, they're doing good things. So well done to the Mureshis. And I might, I might be completely making this up, but they also have an interest in the roasting facility in new york where you can rent a roaster it is so stephen uh who is the uh the younger brother uh he lives in new york he used to work for intelligentsia um but set up this kind of thing where it's a roastery that you can just go and pay by the hour to use the roaster and they'll even sell you green and they'll store green there it's absolutely fantastically clever idea um and uh, kind of inspired from the whole micro brewing thing that's going on in the states, where you'll find cuckoo brewers going in and just borrowing people's brewing equipment. And Stephen was like, "Well, why can't we do the same with roasters?" So that that's what he's 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 gone out and done, and very impressively. Yeah, it's probably a good way to sell green coffee as well. well I imagine. Yeah, they never miss a trick on ways to sell green coffee. So yeah, I'm sure that's a, a good motivation <laughs> too. Um, but yeah, it was really good to see the auction do it, well. It's something that's it's something that's popped up over the years for us actually a few times where people have said um, said oh you know you've a roasting facility and I want to roast coffee so is it, how about I rent your roaster um, and I I can't think of any better reason than just no it's mine <laughs> <laughs> you know like, I, it's happened a few times and I'm like I feel really mean saying it but I'm like no it's my roaster. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, we, we've had we've had similar things. I wish there was a really noble. Yeah. Why would I want to give you the tools to become my competitor? No, <laughs> um, but also it's like they won't look after it the same. I, I'm sure they have to have a fairly heavy maintenance program on those machines because nobody else is going to be be looking after it and stripping them down and cleaning them after they've finished, are they? So, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't like that very much at all, but. Did we talk about this last week? Where about coffee shops that are closed? I can't remember whether we actually. I can't remember. I our conversation. I never remembered the private ones and the ones we have on the podcast. But I came up with this idea of like I was walking around London, and there were coffee shops that were closed. Did I talk to you about this? Really? No. So, no. so on a Saturday, and on, it seems strange to me. On a be... Sunday, a lot of coffee shops in the city, and actually on a Saturday and a Sunday, a lot of the coffee shops won't open. So. Um, yeah, I'm trying. What's it called? What's the one called by the the Gherkin? Um, oh, it never opens at the weekends because they rely on the city for to be their customers. Um, and like Caffeine Two, I went to go and have a coffee at Caffeine Two, and it was closed. And I was, if I was a budding barista in London, I would be banging on those shops' doors, going, "Can I open your shop on these days? And I'll give you twenty percent of what comes through the till." 
I'll supply the coffee, I'll supply the food, let me use your space when it's closed, and I will give you a proportion of the takings. And I'll staff it, I'll worry about it, and all, all I'm going to use of yours is the electricity and your equipment. Um, did did Donna Frankowski do this at Tapton Pact when they worked there? Because they used to do a thing where it was like a... I think it was. It wasn't just like a, a walk in and out sort of thing. You had to like book a ticket. Or yeah, no. I think it was more of a training event, and it was, like and it was in partnership with Tapton Pat. They did because I did one of the sessions for them there as well. And I think it was re- it was through it was while they were working at Tapton Pat because both of them worked there at the time. Um, but I just see these empty shops, and you know, you're the king of dead using dead spaces from you know setting up a coffee bar in the lobby of a nightclub. <laughs> um, you know, that I think that, that would be a really strange thing to proclaim about myself, wouldn't it? Imagine I just went around saying, I am the king of dead spaces. <laughs> well, you should. Maybe you should have a business card made with yeah. that on. Hi, I'm Colin. I'm the king of dead spaces. <laughs> OK, I'm going to do that from now on. Sorry. Sorry to interrupt. No, no, but you, I mean, you, you, you did that at a time where nobody really used those kind of spaces. I think it was fairly unique at the time. I mean, there we see more of it that we'll see shops opening in, you know, stranger places. Um but back then, that was a pretty weird thing to do. I don't even think... Were, were, were the one in London that Gwillem had in the clothes shop, was that open before you did the, the, the Twisted Pepper? Uh, well, when I, when, I, when I secured the, the, the Twisted Pepper, uh, I was going to say the lease, but it wasn't a <laughs> lease. It was just an agreement I had with Trev. Um, so uh, I remember going to Milan, and then there was I got there, I was going for host, and... Everybody was like, oh, I hear you're opening a shop. And I was just like so terrified of telling everybody the truth about that I was opening in the lobby of a nightclub because I thought everybody would laugh at me. They were. Because um, you were laughing at me already. <laughs> so, and I was like, uh, yeah. And I was just like, I was just like, what will I say? What will I say? And then Gwillem popped up and Gwillem was like, oh, I'm putting a coffee machine in a clothes shop. And I was like, oh, that's taking the heat off me anyway. <laughs> so... Um, it actually happened at the same time. And then we opened our own shop uh, very close to the time that they opened um, Proofrock on Leather Lane. So there's always been a, there's always been a very close kind of a, a parallel between what myself and Gullum do, having kind of burst onto the scene in Atlanta together as well. So it was, um, yeah, uh, uh, an interesting time. But yeah, it was, um, that's, that's what we did uh, way back when. But yeah, I, I just think that those shops that are closed, if I was, a, a, say, an up-and-coming barista and I couldn't afford to have my own shop in London, because who can? Then I'd be looking for those spaces that I can kind of squeeze something out of. But then also the, the owners, and the, you know, it's dead dead rent, dead you know rates and all of those things at that time um, and could be worth you know the opportunity. I, I just think it would be a really good thing. And what we're talking about with the roasting yeah, no, facility that the think... Mareshis are doing, I had an idea back in the day of having a coffee shop that... Basically, you came and ran for the weekend. So nobody actually owned the coffee shop. They just came in for the weekend. You had a competition so you could take the most money over the weekend. So you had almost like a running table, like a league table of who who um. had the most successful time. And I'd love to do something like When I win the lottery, um, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to buy a shop but not have anybody manage it. And you come in for the weekend, the week, and you have to try and make it more successful than the people who were there the week before by doing more interesting things yeah. and getting people in through the door. Yeah, it's it's a thing I, I have a lot of conversations with people that want to open coffee shops and a lot of them are, are baristas and they kind of say, oh, I don't have any money, I don't have this. And I'm like, well, just start, do something because if you if you do something, you can do something else after that, you know, and it's, it's and a lot of the time, 
there's a lot of fear around just like oh if i open the shop it's not going to be as good as gmb coffee or tim wendelbow's shop or proof rock and i'm like well like none of those places were as good as they were when they opened you know what i mean it's you have to start somewhere yeah. uh and you might as well start today you know because it's um it, it just just getting the ball rolling you never know who you're going to bump into because i can guarantee you that if you start if you open a shop and you start making nice coffee and just you know just doing your thing and doing it in an interesting way you're going to meet somebody who's going to come along and make it a little bit easier for you somebody who say hey, look up at the shop do you want to rent it or i like what you're doing how would i invest in it or i don't know anything like that but like you're not going to meet those people just sitting at home when you're taught you know so it's um it's definitely a good thing to do. I think it's a great idea, Steve. Maybe more people should do it. And if anyone out there has done it or is doing it, let us hear yeah. about it. Yeah, no, I think, you know, the pop-up shop in a shop that already exists just on the days that it's closed is, you know, it's the future. I'm going to trademark it quickly. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. Okay, so we have uh, been very good at this, getting one out every two weeks or so. Uh, for those of you who haven't already been, we're been launching little small tidbits that we've been uh, that we recorded at the SCAA show and there's a few more of them to come I believe yeah no next couple um, of weeks I think there's another five still to come so um, interesting folks yeah, like they've been great uh, Pete Williams uh, Jay Carragay um, who else haven't we had yet Kyle Glanville Kyle Glanville which is exciting um, yeah he, he's, he's really exciting I, I was listening to going wow Kyle's been really kind of um honest and it's sometimes you kind of get put a microphone yeah. by somebody and they kind of go yeah everything's great <laughs> you know whereas he was like everything's good but you know this is how we go i i, I find it super interesting that one um can yeah they don't know it yet but me and you are going to fly to los angeles someday and just for a cup of coffee and to pin them in a the corner himself and charles and just interview them for tamper dance <sighs> i think that'll be really cool so guys if you're listening um, that's happening yeah. regardless of whether you want it or not yeah I, I've learned how to spend um, yeah, air miles that's been really exciting as well like I've never spent air miles before yeah, I, I don't, just collect. I don't collect them I don't really know how to do that I'm going to New- so I, you, I got a place in the New York Marathon for this year so I thought I better book some flights so I booked my flights business class there first class return and it cost me 400 quid because you just pay the taxes and I use my air miles and I've still got Four hundred thousand air miles left. So we could do that. Okay, I'm going to start counting. Connect them. them. It's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing, which is completely nothing to do with coffee. Awesome. Um, but yeah, those tidbits are really good. Okay. Uh, can I also just say before we do finish, I apologise about the sound on them. I am getting better at this stuff. I promise, I will get better at it. But the sound on some of them hasn't been great. And um, yeah, next time they'll be awesome. But they're well worth listening to still. Very much so. The one during the week with Judy House is great. I think Judy is uh, definitely an up-and-coming uh, presenter for one of her talks, whether she likes it or oh, not. Oh, yes. She doesn't have any so, choice. So, yeah. Oh, there's another thing that we're, we're <laughs> announcing speakers. Uh, so we're also announcing speakers for Prague, uh, the event that we're doing in a few weeks' time, um, on Facebook. I don't know why on Facebook, because not everybody goes on Facebook. But you should follow Tampa Tantrum on Facebook, and you can see some of the speakers we've announced. Our, uh, we've started to announce them on there, and there'll be more coming over the next few days. So go check out Facebook and put in Tampa Tantrum. Awesome. And then sign up for the be- for the barista, for the, for the Euro Guild <laughs> event if you haven't already done You're so. You're not allowed to call it the Euro I'm Guild. I'm in so much trouble. You're not allowed. They get angry. Oh. 
Well, then they should stop telling people to call us that then. <laughs> um, so on that note, we shall leave you. And thank you again for joining in. And um, we'll talk to you again in another two weeks and you won't talk back because this is a podcast. Over and out. Thank you.